Hey, is Bianca Belair anti-Andrew Yang? Because she just posted a no emoji with the blue hat emoji. Is that related to anything on NXT or is this a political statement? Why would you bring this up in this very moment? Because it just popped up on my Twitter feed. I, I don't know. I actually don't know how to respond to this. I'm very confused by this. Like, no blue hat? What? How is that a Yang thing? Because Andrew Yang, he has the blue hat emoji. Oh, he does? Yeah. That's the Yang I'm going to be completely honest. I just completely tuned out Yang Gang. Yeah, same. But, hey, I want to believe that Bianca is secret comrade. Bianca's going to go to Iowa and whip that fucking smirking-ass rat face off of Pete Buttigieg. Wait, which brand does Charlotte fight for? Uh, Raw. Raw. Okay, now I'm really confused. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I was thinking. It's like no blue hat. Okay, maybe it's something about Charlotte, but no, no, that doesn't make sense. It's a mystery, folks. I don't get this world. Look, Bianca just understands that the freedom dividend is bullshit. That the only way that we're going to actually achieve economic justice is through collective action of socialism and the Bernie Sanders movement. She's all about not me, us. We are NXT. Triple H for Bernie Sanders vice president. (laughs) We are not your kind. I personally think the White House has enough iron crosses. (laughs) This week, we're doing what we always do and covering the best wrestling and the worst sport. It's the kickoff for XFL 2, The Revenge, this weekend. And our resident sportsball expert, Oscar Bernard, is going to give us the lowdown on week one. I already regret this segment, but there's no way to stop it tonight on Hue Alternative. Welcome, everyone. It is Wednesday, February 5th, 2020, and welcome to episode 16 of Heel Alternative, ProWrestling.Cool's Posse podcast covering AEW, NXT, the wide world of professional wrestling outside Vince's purview, and of course, the sport of kings itself, the XFL. Heck of a show for you tonight, and let's get right on into it. I am, of course, your host, John Gavarexky Cassell, joined as always by Trace Madden. Hi, how you doing there, John? It's good to be here. It's just going to be another good football game. We're just going to have people running against each other. There's going to be a lot of good passing. There's going to be good smash mouth. And in the end, someone is going to score three more points than the other. Boom. Boom indeed, Trace. 
Bowman Dave. This is an exciting night in the history of our sport as we prepare for the latest and greatest iteration of the XFL. And the only way that we can truly get excited about this wide world of sport that we are getting into is to turn it over to our resident XFL expert. Take it away, Oscar Bernard. Where's the kind of football that the NFL used to be? Where's my smash mouth wide open football? Hey, John. Hey, Trace. We're over here at the sidelines here at the first week of the XFL. Reporting live to you with all of the analysis. We're going to start this off by taking a look at all the teams that are going to be competing here in this, the first season ever of the XFL 2020. We're going to start off here the with the first ever season of 2020 XFL, indeed. Aha! First season! We're going to start off here with the DC Defenders, who are, off, who are actually early favorites to challenge for this XFL championship. Even if their logo kind of looks a little fash. But they've got a promising... What makes, them, what makes them experts here, aside from having a very SS-looking logo? Well, they've got a really promising lineup. They've got quarterback Cardale Jones, and they've got wide receiver Eli Rogers. Those two people alone are going to be a real power duo to make sure that all the, full, all the touchdowns are scored. Boom! Touchdowns! And with what that, makes them such a power duo here, Oscar? Oh, well, you know, Cardell Jones, he's one of the hottest up-and-comers here in the world of football. And the way that he's able, you know, Eli Rogers, he's just going to send that ball wide so that QB Cardell Jones, he can receive it from the wide angle and he can just touch it down for the six points. That's right, quarterbacks, they like to take the passes and receive them rather than send them out. Boom! Boom indeed. Something about this doesn't sound right, but I don't think that I can truly argue with it. And then we'll move on to the Tampa Bay Vipers. They're the other early favorites, but they're facing some tough hurdles right now because their quarterback, Anthony Callaway... He's injured right now, and considering how short the XFL season is, it's only lasting until April. He well, couldn't miss the whole first season. Well, you see all they got to do right there, then? What happened to the quarterback here? Uh, you know, he suffered a uh, training injury. Um, Anthony, Anthony Cardinal. No, I looked that up, and I got a funeral notice. That's not the right person. So what you got to do here is you just got to get the guy down. You got to get him out in the, into the injury room. You got to inject him some cortisone and send him out with a good slap on the butt. Exactly. Boom. Just give him a good old Z pack. As we learn from our good friend, the good WWE doctor himself. Another fine Fox production. Um, but moving on, we've got um, we've got some hometown boys for uh, John in the New York Guardians. They've actually got the best track record as far as coaches are concerned. Because Kevin Gilbride, he's won two Super Bowls. And, they have, and their quarterback, Luis Perez, he's an American arena football legend. Not what that stands for. It is the Association now. of American Football lasted less than one season. He's a legend of that series. Exactly. He was... You know, but the problem he is... played the- in all five games. <laughs> and then it entered and bankruptcy. And what a show indeed. 
But he's uh, one of those people that showed a lot of promise in AAF. And so, hopefully, the XFL will really give him an opportunity to show what he can do. Sadly, though, they God are... God bless Vince McMahon for keeping this man out of the poorhouse. All yes. cops are football. <laughs> Sadly, though, they're lacking a little bit of depth, so it might be tough for them to really make a dent this season. But so uh, let's move over to uh, to some southern football with uh, the Dallas Renegades. And they've got a lot of great football pedigree here. They've got coach Bob Stoops, and their quarterback is Larry Jones. Some real legends of Oklahoma here to light up Dallas, home of America's team. America's team is the Renegades, then. Let's just put that out there. I mean, what's, what's a Renegade if not a cool cowboy? What is more renegade than America? The true American spirit of fighting against your taxers and then abusing people and putting them in cages. Well, let me tell you something. Nothing is more American than wandering into a Congress hall, a congressional hall with armed weapons and showing them off like you're some sort of soldier. That's just, that's just America. It's and of course, America. as American as apple pie and stealing Iowa caucuses. <laughs> And of course, staying staying over here in Texas. See what I did there? Oh, right, like Texas, Texas, but Texas. It's Texas, but said with a Texas accent. Right, right. Well, April fifteenth is coming. I up, understood the pun. <laughs> the Houston Roughnecks. They're here. They'll probably be middle of the pack. People aren't really expecting too much great from them. Now it's weird. Their, their logo here looks almost—it looks an awful lot like another team's. Maybe it just—it just looks very similar to maybe like an Oiler. You know. uh, the Edmonton Oilers logo is just a thing that says Oilers. Oh. Well, carry on then. Now there also was a Houston Oilers at one point. <laughs> well, you know they're Houston- now the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> Houston never had um, Houston never had Wayne Gretzky. Factually, that is I suppose probably they didn't. He probably would not have been that good at football. They had Brett Hall. Come on. But you know, the St. Louis BattleHawks—they've got a lot of potential here because they, you know, they could be real surprise players. They've got a rookie coach. He's he co- he coached the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tight ends, but he's never coached a team. He's never coached a full-on team before. A lot remains to be seen, but they've got a lot of promising young people on here. They could be the dark horses. Don't write them off yet. They also have the name Battle Hawks, and they're the only team that doesn't have a football team from the NFL in their city right now. One could argue, gentlemen, that if you cannot trust a man who was part of a team that brought a WrestleMania to Tampa Bay, who can you trust indeed? There's nobody and then, to trust. Well, we're going to move over to the coast with my personal favorite team, the L.A. Wildcats. They're the team I'm rooting for, and they got a lot of XFL pedigree here, too, because the Los Angeles Extreme are currently the reigning XFL champions, even though this is not canonically the Los Angeles Extreme. But uh, they might have some issues at the start. The, the top analysis, they're saying that the roster seems pretty weak, 
And besides, one of their players used to play for the Philadelphia Eagles. All around Ooh. spelling disaster. Ooh, that is a hard, hard problem to deal with. But as we all know, nothing good has ever come out of the great city of Philadelphia. That is why we call it the great city, ironically. <laughs> and it then, is full of nothing but grit and gritty. And then moving up the coast, uh, we've got the Seattle Dragons. They're, uh, they're pretty much write-offs this year. Yes. They're ro- they've got the weakest roster. Yes. And honestly, by all accounts, not even Seattle legend Jim Zorn can save this team. Yes. Also, that's, my, that's my weekly zinger for you. May I also point out to you that there are no dragons in Seattle. Nor there are is there the any American dragon in Seattle. We do- there is the ultimate dragon, the chasing the dragon of heroin <laughs> to have to live in Seattle. Okay, I will give you that. There is a lot of that in Seattle, and we don't like to talk about that. That is in the section we don't mention too much called Pioneer Square. Please but, stay uh, away. Let's, let's, let's run through the first. Kurt Cobain. How dare you? Let's run through the first week of the XFL. The first game kicking us off this week, Saturday at 2 p.m. over on ABC, kicking off the XFL. It is Seattle Dragons at the D.C. Defenders, and Vegas has their odds on D.C. As they should. And frankly, my odds are on D.C. One could argue that since this is America's game where the football man must stand... That truly, this would be a quick shoe-in for the adopted home of our president, Donald Trump. May he forever reign. I cannot follow you on that part. Trump will, Trump's term Sorry, will end I, in four I years. My, I took my irony boy bit a bit too far there. I apologize. Trump's reign will end in four years' time, and then the reign of Ivanka will begin. Oh my god, it's I my hate nightmare. this because it's probably going to happen. <laughs> and then kicking and then next off, 5 p.m. on Saturday over on Fox, the Los Angeles Wildcats are at Houston facing the Roughnecks. And the Roughnecks are favored by Las Vegas again in the odds. I personally disagree with the Vegas bookies here. You could make a lot of money. Tell off us your of reasoning that. here. Go Wildcats. Tribalism. What makes you think that the Wildcats are going to do so successfully this week, Oscar? I am fiercely tribalistic towards my chosen team. It's weird. He sounds a lot like somebody we know. <laughs> and then. <laughs> And then we have a break for a day, but then we kick back up on Sunday on Fox at 2 p.m. as the New York Guardians play host to the Tampa Bay Vipers, which the Vipers are favored to win. Cops versus snakes. Who can tell the difference? Hi-yo! And then our last game for week one is the St. Louis Battlehawks in Dallas to face the Renegades which the Renegades are heavily favored. 
They are America's team and America's birthplace. Hi-ho! But that's not all. That Wait, the ex- are you saying that the Dallas team has high, high hopes for a living? It's yes. like that Disney movie. Yes. Snow White and the Seven Dwarves is about Pete Buttigieg. I thought it was talking about Remember the Titans and how they had high hopes there. Hi-ho. <laughs> but there's not. that's not all. The new teams with the crazy names is not all that's going differenti- to differentiate the XFL in week one. The real X... Let's hear it. The real X factor for the XFL is the removal of points after touchdown, which is going to require a conversion instead. This really has the potential to shake up the game of football as we know it. How will this conversion work, exactly? You can't kick the ball after you score a touchdown. You have to run it into the end zone. Why can the football man no kick the football? It is for foot. Because fuck kickers. There's a reason they're paid the least. How dare you? The XFL also went with a brown ball this time, because this time the league is for families. No black and red ball like the original XFL. We're not blackballing anybody this season. However, the ball is still going to be unique by, by being custom for every game, as the X's on each end will be in the color of the team's. Vince McMahon... Isn't that exciting? Vince McMahon had also said... Get yourself a special souvenir, boys and girls. Vince McMahon had also said in the announcement of the XFL that there would be no halftime. Vince McMahon lied. Unsurprising. Completely unremarkable at best. But of course, we're all caught up in the wave of XFL hysteria. But what do the celebrities have to say? Well, WWE legend Hulk Hogan took to Twitter to say, Okay, I'm ready for XFL, brother. HH. HH, A likely story coming from the legendary jabroni Mark racist himself. And of course, the XFL is going to continue to pay their players like shit. And I really hope Vince McMahon loses a lot of money on this. Hell yeah. He is rumored to be losing $375 million over three years. That's still less money than he lost in the original XFL. So it's not enough. Also, may I point out... And yet it is still not as much money as he deserves to lose. Also true. He's a billionaire who should be broke. Remember, the networks are paying him nothing for the first season of the XFL. They're simply paying the production costs. That's it. Look, there is one question left to answer, of course, with the XFL. Why football man no stand? And hopefully we will all learn the answer to that. This Saturday and Sunday, when the XFL finally kicks off itself. But until then, this has been a wonderful experience in Wednesday Night XFL. 
from my co-hosts, Oscar Bernard and Trace Madden. I have been John Gavarekski Cassell. Good night and good luck. Oh, I was supposed to be keeping up the accent the whole time. Fuck. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. What the hell was that? Um, that was me falling out of an accent because I can't do a Madden. Yeah, wow, that was that was an out of body experience. I hope to never have again. Uh, whew, boy. Honestly, uh, honestly, I hope it's so as well because wow. having some guy doing a Howard Cosell accent yelling at me to do Madden repeatedly and telling him I can't, and then I have to, it was kind of scary, John. It was very scary for me. <sighs> Sorry about that, Trace. But uh, hey, okay. you uh, you want to talk about some Wednesday night wrestling? Oh, Wednesday night wrestling. That's my favorite football. Wait, there was a, a lot of that show? this week. Why Keith Lee no stand? I mean, <laughs> yeah, that is a good question. Why does Keith Lee no stand? I'm just asking the but, real questions here, man. Unfortunately, that is not an answer that we received on this week's NXT. What? Because Keith Lee was not there. Oh. Oh. Okay. Well, fine. Fine. That's fine. Not, not a problem. Okay, what did happen? But hey, other people were there. Okay. So, like, fucking Charlotte was there. Uh, okay, you've just taken my hopes that there'd be really cool stuff going on. You deflated them by saying Charlotte. So yeah, let's talk about. Let's just talk about the most important stuff first. Uh, as we knew, if you watched Raw this week or listened to the Mothership Daddy heel turn over on uh, ProWrestling.cool and Twitch.tv slash ProWrestling live every Monday night, catch it. Um, yeah, Rhea Ripley came out and challenged Charlotte to uh, to a WrestleMania match Fucking on uh, Raw this week. Fucking why? Why would she do that? I mean, also, just from a narrative standpoint... Why not just have Charlotte challenge Rhea Ripley? She's the one that can make the match. Yeah, what does Rhea have to gain by getting somebody to challenge for her her belt? Other than, I'm going to successfully defend it and show that NXT is the greatest. Well, great. Then you're going to move to a different roster that is actually better. Part of me feels... I mean, yeah, that's about it. Part of me feels like... They wanted to have Charlotte do the surprise on NXT this week and then realized, wait, we could probably beat AEW in the ratings if we announce that Charlotte will be on NXT. Maybe, but yeah, we'll see. That's kind of how I feel. I mean, I'm not sure it's going to happen, especially with the way they did it, but, you know, we'll see. But, yep. yeah, basically, so they had announced also tonight while being like, hey, Charlotte's going to show up to answer Rhea Ripley's challenge. They also announced, hey, also, there's going to be a face-to-face between uh, Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley because uh, remember the fact that they're literally having a match in, like, a week and a half at TakeOver Portland? Yeah, we should probably hype that. There's already another TakeOver. Great. Yeah, the, I mean, this is the takeover they've been building to since Worlds Collide with its own weird, like, you know, offshoot thing. Worlds Collide was like a week or two ago, though. It is true. Worlds Collide's not a takeover, though. I know, but it's basically a special event, so it might as well be. I'm just saying. I mean, think He's about how much, there. think about how little time there was between Survivor Series and TLC. 
Yeah, it wasn't great. But none, like none of this is great. It's almost like the bad place is bad and shouldn't be influencing this show. Yeah, but exactly. we'll get to that. Okay, let's get to that then, or let's move on from my ranting. Well. Let's continue on with this, which is basically... So, yeah, they had announced that Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley were going to have a Mm face-to-face. And Bianca comes out, and she's cutting a promo, and it's great and everything. And unsurprisingly, because, you know, they also literally right before before that segment, in the, uh, the segment before the commercial break, they show Charlotte arriving at the NXT arena. Charlotte interrupts her. Oh, no. And then Rhea comes out, and then, like, they're both kind of just ignoring Bianca. And Bianca fucking steals this segment completely because she's just in the fucking background just, like, fucking mugging and getting, like, so mad and fucking having to, like, talk herself down and just be like, these fucking idiots, I can't fucking, I swear to fucking Christ, like... Bianca was the secret fucking hero of the segment. This whole thing was fucking wonderful just to see her react to literally everything. I love her so much. Hashtag white women. I mean... Yeah, basically. Bianca Belair fucking rules. Yeah, she... Bianca she, Belair slaps. She is a gem, and she is one of the best things NXT is going. One of the best wrestlers, and I should say. She, yeah, Definitely. And best characters, too. Yeah. But anyway, Charlotte basically tells her to step the fuck off because fuck you. I'm here for Rhea. I don't care about you. And Rhea's all like, hey, I may not like Bianca right now, but I don't fuck. I didn't fucking come into your house and disrespect you and your people. And check it out. We are NXT. And then they both fucking beat the shit out of Charlotte. Yeah, all right. Cool. Cool. Which, hey, I'm cool with because fuck Charlotte. Yeah, number one, for sure. But also, Charlotte didn't say that she was going to fight Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania. Oh, so we're just going to drag that one on until it's like a given. Yeah, we're just going to keep dragging it out. Like, we know it's going to happen now because you've done this. But is it going to be made official? We don't know yet. We're going to have to wait for the official announcement and this contract signing and blah, 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 blah. Fuck this shit. I did really like this segment because I I thought that they did a really good job of making it feel like they did a great job of making Bianca feel like an actual legitimate contender again. Like, obviously, look, we all know that Bianca ain't winning this. Like, as much as she fucking deserves to, that, like, she's not going to fucking win this, that she's going to be, like, just the, I get, you know, I was going to say the first, but I I guess that was Tony Storm, as much as we'd like to forget that match. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, the first real challenge in defense for Rhea. So, like, I understand, look, as much as we know intellectually that Bianca doesn't stand a fucking chance. They did a great fucking job of making me think, no, wait, Bianca totally stands a chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As and that's what I care about. It's only the fact that we know exactly where WWE and NXT booking goes that's going to make an exception of this. Yep. Yep. But hey, for a brief moment, we got to see Charlotte fucking die. Fuck the Charlotte. Yep. I like the way that Bianca mugs for the camera. Yep. There is a future behind Charlotte like, that just, is bright. 
just try and find some clips of of her fucking reactions through this or just like any gifts because I swear to God, they are just all so wonderful. I will have to do that. Less wonderful was the way this episode was laid out, though, because I'm thrown out there. I feel like they really did lean into the, hey, we're going to try and get a bunch of people uh, to watch this from Raw by putting Charlotte on because this episode kind of felt a lot more like a main roster show. How so? So the episode begins with the Broser Waits cutting a promo in the ring about okay. how they won the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. So is that just a, a full-on team now? I mean, are you going to give Matt we'll Riddle see like after Portland? Yeah, are we going to see Matt Riddle actually do a singles career? Because he seems to have uh, caused some issues with uh, where he wants to go with that. Is that stuff at work, or is that that legit? It's Matt Riddle. I bet it's kind of a little both. Yeah, I think it's it's both. Like, the way that they're leaning into it makes me think that, you know, they're working it. But I also totally believe that no legit... Both Brock Lesnar and Goldberg hate this guy. Yeah, I think Matt Riddle is playing it up like a work because he likes the idea and he's just being a goofball. And at the same time, Brock Lesnar and, and Goldberg are like... I think the WWE like, themselves are also leaning into it. Oh, for sure. Like, but yeah. Let's let's be honest. You know, they put a PC video up about him challenging Brock Lesnar. Yep, they sure did. And at the same time, you got Brock Lesnar and Goldberg saying, stay in your fucking lane, stoner boy. Indeed. But, yeah, so then it opens with this, and of course, they get interrupted by O'Reilly and Fish, who are all like, yo, fuck you, you're not going to beat us at TakeOver, we're going to beat you, fuck you. And, like, they start fighting and everything. And basically, like, the layout of the most of the episode is just building to a confrontation between these guys and the rest of the Undisputed Era and Ciampa, because... Meanwhile, you know, Adam Cole's looking for fucking Ciampa because he's pissed off about what happened last week. Mm-hmm. Fair. Like, so basically they spend, like, most of the episode kind of just, like, looking for each other. And then, oh, yeah, there's, like, a bunch of backstage things of them, like, seeking, of, like, you know, seeking out Ciampa, doing all this stuff, like, reminding me a lot of, like, you know, the fucking Raw segments of that they did recently of, like, Kevin Owens looking for Seth Rollins and shit like that as in with just, the lead pipe. Let's pad it out as much as we can so we don't have to do actual matches. Yep, basically. Eventually, of course, Ciampa finds them and they all start fighting and it all, like, busts out into the, to the ring area and everybody's fighting everything and then Regal runs out and he's all like, hey, no, Y'all really want to fight? Then you can fight tonight. Oh, I thought Setting he was going to yell war six games man again. for the main event. Hmm? I thought he was going to yell war games again. If only. If only. But no, he set up a, a six man for the main event. Okay. And then, of course, it goes into the main event where fucking it's the three undisputed idiots minus, you know, basically the three of them minus Strunk. Versus Ciampa and, and the other two. And it's good. It's, you know, it's exciting. They, they give it enough time. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, it all goes predictably, as you yep. expect. Because it's, you know, Undisputed Era versus people that they've made mad doing their Undisputed Era thing. 
where yep. they're dominating for a bunch of the match and then they start to lose and then they're about to lose and then the fourth member runs in and causes the DQ. It's in all the Undisputed Era guys just jump everybody and they're getting the fucking beating everybody up and they got Choppa in the ring and they fucking spray paint his back with an X and they're gonna like fucking kill him and then the lights go out. Oh. Uh-oh. So last week they showed a, a weird video thing where it was like a bunch of circles on a background and then it became three circles and the circles had numbers in them and the numbers became a date. It became this week's date. So, so it's Velveteen Dream. Yeah, it, it, was, it was quite obvious when, yeah, they're beating, they're beating up the fucking, you know, they're about to kill Choppa and then the lights go out and then the screen comes on with the two five twenty and the three circles and oh hey weird the circles form the, the sunglasses yep and Velveteen Dream just appears on the fucking top rope and beats the entire dog shit out of everyone in the Undisputed Era that is actually pretty premium yeah, yeah no I'm into it and he Dream Valley Driver strong nice and then he rips off his pants wait New Tai Chi? American Tai Chi? He had, he had other pants under them. And on this pants were a picture of Velveteen Dream in a heart with Marina Shafir and fucking Roderick Strong's child. <laughs> and on the ass it said, call me up Marina. Yeah, all right. Oh my god. That is perhaps And I am immediately here for this fucking feud, Velveteen Dream Roger Strong. I need this immediately. <laughs> oh my god. If this is not on takeover, we riot. I that is maybe the best fucking most Velveteen ass burn I've ever seen. Yep. He's back for like three minutes and he's already proven himself once again to be the best fucking character on the show. It's unbelievable. Oh my god, I love this. I wasn't super crazy about any of this Undisputed Era shit throughout the night, but this fucking Velveteen Dream Pants reveal made it all fucking worth it. Nice. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Perfect ending to this show. Perfect excuse to bring back the overrun. You assholes. <laughs> Jeez. But hey, I guess since fucking Ms. and Mrs. failed in the ratings last week, they might as well bring back the overrun and try to get as many AEW people as possible. Velveteen Dream shows up at 10 o'clock next week wearing pants that just say, watch Ms. and Mrs. <laughs> it's him. He's the new child of Ms. and Mrs. Ms. Ms. Mrs. and Dream. I dream of Ms. and Mrs. Alright, there it is. We're done. We're done with this. <laughs> now we're gonna play It's a it's NXT Do You Care? Okay. Cause there are a bunch of matches on this show. And other things on this show. Oh, actually there's one other thing that I forgot to talk about in uh something that made this show feel like raw. Uh they had a interview segment between uh, Ciampa and... or Not Ciampa. Uh, Gargano and Balor to set up their match at, uh, to take over Portland. Great. And they did that weird thing that they do where, like, 
that they do on Raw and SmackDown, where it's they're in two different places and like they just have it like the screen split in half and they're talking at each other that way. I love those segments. It's so good to see people talk smack to each other from remote locations. Yeah, like, and there were some parts of this that were okay. Like, I liked, I liked some of the stuff that Gargano was saying. I like, you know, Gargano making callbacks to fucking Finn Balor's history, to the shit that Finn Balor did on fucking SmackDown or on SmackDown and Raw. Like, literally called out like last year when he just was getting fucking murdered by Bobby Lashley over and over again. Yeah. Finn, I wasn't really feeling his promo. I will say. I still don't understand this character, and honestly, I don't feel like he really understands it either. I don't think Finn Balor works as a face anymore. Is he a face? He's not a face. He's a heel. He's a heel. Well, he feels like a face the way he's doing this shit because he's not very effective as a heel these days. Just let... I think he was... I think this week he was very much trying to, to lean in the heel thing and trying to play up the heel thing. But, like... Yeah, again... I, you know, we've said it before. We'll say it again. Like, what the fuck is this Prince character? Why does he do the finger guns? What is he even doing other Bullet than just, Club. like... Yeah, other than Bullet Club Greatest Hits without saying that. Bullet Club. Just Bullet let Club. Finn Balor be the person he was at the Champions League final this year, where after Tottenham lost, he just got shit-faced and talking to reporters. Bullet Club. I'm going to drink this beer, and, Bullet Club. And also blowing up his, his fiancé spot. <laughs> his only Bullet Club that matters. It's not a nice way to talk about his wife. Come on. <laughs> I will n- I will never not stand my gay icon Tottenham fan Finn Balor. Real rock and roller bullet club. Lisa needs braces. Anyway. That was last week. Play... Re- Rio needs it's braces. called a callback. Yeah, we're just doing a callback here. Bullet club. Um, it's, look... If, as long as they call him Prince anything, I'm just going to reference Bullet Club mercilessly because uh, that's me. clear what they're going with. Excuse me, it's Prinks with an X? Okay, well, sure. I mean, WWE is really good at like misspelling things because they want to reference something they can't trademark. But also, Bullet Again, Club. the XFL. The, it's branding for the XFL. They're trying to get people to watch this weekend. Bucks at Club. Pair up Finn Balor and Velveteen Dream and call okay. them the two princes. Okay, what, what, what I care not care about? Let's let's start going and do you care? I don't want to hear these jokes. I, we're playing as NXT. Do you care? Angel Garza versus Isaiah Swerve Scott. Do you care? Fuck. I hear no Strickland. I don't care. I just. It sure is. I I know that Owen completely called this, but it sure is weird to see Angel Garza back on NXT after he was just on Raw. It's almost as if that wasn't working out. It's almost as if he's just he's he's just Andrade's non-union Mexican replacement. I mean, yeah, he really is, and it's kind of sad. We just need another Latino in here. Uh, who, who we got? Who we got? Uh, Angelo Garza, let's get him out here. Wait. Wait, isn't that, isn't that Racho Man? Is, is Macho not dead or what? 
Look, what if I told y'all that a match between Angel Garza and Swerve was really fucking good? I, I, I believe not, it. I believe it, too. It's just like, how can you make me not care about a really good match between two really good wrestlers? I can't believe NXT you is MLW. do it by now. having Angel Garza, who they're not really sure what to do with his character right now, as we'll get to, because, yep. like, you're having him do a bunch of baby... You had him be a heel, and then you had him turn babyface because he was super fucking over and popular, and then you call him up to Raw, where he does some serious fucking heel shit of Kill Rey Mysterio, and then he comes back to NXT, where he's popular and people like him, and they're happy that he's back, and, like, the whole thing doesn't make sense, and he's fucking fighting Swerve, who's amazing, but doesn't have a fucking character. Right, because he's Isaiah Scott, not Shane Strickland. Like, Isaiah Scott hasn't really had a chance to do a damn thing. And, like, yeah, they have, like, a little bit of a story that they're building on because there was the whole thing of Worlds Collide where, you know, Angel Garza lost his Cruiserweight Championship to Jordan Devlin because Devlin pinned uh, Swerve. Yeah. So, like, you know, okay, Garza's trying to get his heat back and be like, you're the reason I lost my title. I'm going to fucking beat you to prove that it wasn't, that it wasn't me, et cetera, Which, et cetera. That's a great way to put somebody over, by the way, is like, uh, you lost the title for me, so I'm going to beat you to prove that I should never have lost the title by beating you. Great. Way, way to go with Isaiah Scott there. Yeah, which, hey, that's a good, and you know what, that's fine. Like, that's a good way to put Garza over, and I get it that, like, you know, you're not doing really anything with Swerve right now. But why aren't you doing anything with Swerve? You had one of, like, the best fucking guys on the indie, and he's, and he's just, like, characterless nobody. Well, just, because this way he's not going to go wrestle for AEW. Just send him back to the Pacific Northwest. We'll do something with him. You know, like, that's the thing, is WWE has all these people just so they won't sign elsewhere. Yep. I just it, this frustrates me to no end because he is somebody I really wanted to see up here. Okay, yeah, kill, like, look, like, look. Yeah. I will say this: Killer Cross is a little problematic on the uh, social viewpoint front, from what I've seen, um, in that he is one of these free thinkers who oh seem, boy. yeah. Um, same token, he is one of the few people I have seen in the ring doesn't need a mic and can command the kind of presence of like an Okada or a Nak or a Nakamura of some sort. He, he has a hell of a presence of being just this viciously angry, weird guy who can just completely change a matchup. NXT, if they use him right, is going to have a scary, scary star on their hands. And I don't think the Indies necessarily lose anything. I think he basically made the points he needed to on the Indies. Fair enough. I, anyway. I, I will Gar- say, just speaking of people that they've signed, they signed Timothy Thatcher. Sure did. And, like, on the one hand, there's a part of me that's like, yeah, it's cool that we might actually get Ringkampf in WWE, even though maybe they should change the name. But, um, you know, hey, we might get Ringkampf in WWE in... But also, it's like, why do you need this guy? You're doing Imperium. 
there's no need. There's no fucking need for Timothy Thatcher. He's not going to stand out. You're just going to put him on NXT UK. No one's going to watch this. Bullet ring. Like, for life. Like, are you just going to fucking... What's going to happen to Imperium then? I mean, is Imperium just going to become like the same. seven people? Possibly, or possibly we'll kick out the dead weight that is probably the people they need to be like giving pushes to, and of course it's WWE. So uh, sorry about that, Alexander Wolf. Uh, I guess you're going to just kind of fade into nothingness. Alexander Wolf was one of the ring comp people, though. You can't do that. But they're gonna do that because you know we don't hey, know. Hey, damn it! I know you're right. Hey, maybe he shouldn't have been insanity. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's just like, why would a sanity guy be in ring count? That makes no sense. So let's just uh, have him, like, uh, uh, you know, we'll give him a Buddy Murphy angle. Ring sanity. Anyway, Garza and Swerve was good, was very good, but also, you know, Swerve mm-hmm. doesn't have a character, so that yep. it feels very much like a match that doesn't matter. Garza won. Of course. And then he cut a babyface promo about how he's going to get his Cruiserweight Championship back. He's not. What are you? Are you a heel or face? He He's like Bret Hart. He's a heel on Raw and a face in NXT. I hate this. But also in that promo, he specifically referenced how he killed Rey Mysterio. Well, yeah, because people in NXT, much like how people in Canada hated Shawn Michaels... People in NXT hate Rey Mysterio. Racist. Well, yeah, the Rey in Rey Mysterio stands for racism. <laughs> I, I can't even touch that one. What the hell? Racism Mysterio. <laughs> the 688. God damn it. <laughs> How dare you? I hate this. <laughs> Dominic Dijakovic versus Killian Dane. Do you care? I really don't. I really don't. This match was okay. Two problems with this. One, why were they having this match as if it was like, oh, Dominic Dijakovic, they're both trying to have this match to see who's going to be the number one contender to Keith Lee's North American Championship. I thought that was Dijakovic last week after he beat Damian Priest. Wait, do we have to have like a three-match series with Keith Lee to determine this? (laughs) And for two, has Killian Dane won a single match on NXT since he came back? Pretty sure no. Well, hey, maybe Killian Dane shouldn't have been think in Sam. Has I guess not, but yeah, like Killian Dane is completely unbelievable. I would have never expected him to win, and hey, sure enough, he didn't fucking win. Right? Of course not. And yeah, like this match was cool and, and exciting because yo, I like me some Demo. He's he's a good ass wrestle man, but like, I, I don't believe that Killian Dane is can ever get the job done he's never gotten the job done why should i believe it now there's no reason what the fuck are you doing with him Uh, welcome to all the guys that we lost their way with on nxt 
you remember the sanity guy who we like to pair up with a certain cross? Uh, whoops. You mean uh, Alexa Bliss? Yeah. Yeah. Wait. Wait. No. No. But also, yeah. What? What the hell? Is Alexa Bliss just what Eric the hell? Young now? Indeed. Yes. Absolutely. Hundred percent. Hey, Eric Young was on Raw this week. What? He got his mouth busted open by Aleister Black. Did Eric Young get an entrance? No. <laughs> of course not. Don't course, be crazy. Yeah. Like, they, they already ripped him apart, and they're going to make him a shell of his former self to teach him a lesson, make him humble. He doesn't even have a beard anymore. What the hell? What the hell is the any of this? The beard was the only thing I actually liked about him. How do you dissect something like Sanity and just make everything that remained of it so tepid? What the hell? Sandy was good. I guess you could say Eric Young is a real forgotten son. How dare you do Mercedes this unto Martinez me. versus Casey Cottonzaro, do you care? I kind of want to care, but I don't know that I do. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, me neither. Mercedes won this match. It was a nothing match. I hope you enjoy not being a. It's Casey Catanzaro, another person that has no legitimacy whatsoever because we only see them like once every six months. And she, yeah, she's cool and gymnastic, and then loses in like three minutes. Yep, you can't. It's just you can't trash talk Casey Catanzaro on ProWrestling.cool. Well, I can and I will. If this motherfucker is going to like have a hate on for Liv Morgan for eight years, I cannot give a shit about Casey Catanzaro. So, yeah, Casey Catanzaro's heart may not be in pro wrestling. We'll see. I keep hearing this and then hearing that that's not true. And then, I don't know. But she comes back and she's got such a verve this time. But if she, they're just going to job her out until she's either quitting or has an inexplicable rise to the top. We will see. Anyway, let's finish up. With Jordan Devlin versus Tyler Breeze, do you care? No. No. Devlin's going to be the cruiserweight forever. Champion forever. Tyler Breeze didn't have his phone entrance. What the fuck? Because they don't care about Tyler Breeze anymore, it's going to be more of this. They've just ruined his character. And admittedly, I think it was also partially because he got... He got his entrance interrupted by Devlin of getting, like, drop kicked in the back while he was doing his pose on the apron. And that would have really sucked if he had a phone in his hand streaming shit. But here's a, here's still, a I hate it. Real hot take. If it weren't for Up, Up, Down, Down and what he does with Xavier Woods, I'm not 100% sure that Tyler Breeze would still be with this company. Again, he's yeah. with the company... Because they don't want him to, they don't want him to Sean Spears himself. Right, and in this case, it probably would. They probably just released him without thinking about it a long time ago before AEW was a real concern. Yeah, because it's been really sad to see where Breeze has gone, where he should have just been Tiny Shawn Michaels moving up to the main roster, and instead, now I'm now I'm just imagining that Dynamite would do the Fashion Files, but like actually Ah. do something with that. Yeah, I don't know. I like. Let's remember that they're still struggling to figure out what they need to do with Sean Spears right now. The Fashion Files is the second show that that 
AEW is allowed from TNT. Presented by Dick Wolf. This but, match was long, and this match was pretty good. Like, look, I wanna, be. I wanna love it because it's it's my boy, it's my boy Breeze's Christ. Yep. Like, Ty- I'm never not gonna mark out for Tyler Breeze, but like, look, it's been pretty clear for a while that like this is not the Tyler Breeze of this is not NXT Tyler Breeze. This is. Tyler Breeze having been broken down by the fucking main roster and kind of lost something. Yep. He's a very good wrestler, but you know he is not going to get a push. Remember when this guy had Jushin Liger's only WWE match? Because he was the one guy they could trust to put on a good match with Jushin Thunder Liger, and he did not disappoint. And now it's just like, you know... they brought him down to fucking NXT, which was basically just so that they could do Brizongo there because, you know, they knew that fucking Brizongo was never going to get used on the main roster. Fucking Dango right. gets Dango gets hurt again. Now he's just fucking slumming it in the cruiserweights. Like, you've basically just... you All you've basically done is put him on the NXT equivalent of main event. Yep. Sure have. He is. He has improved laterally, and I know that. Yeah, I guess he kind of doesn't really care because, like, you know, as you sort of mentioned in here, like, part of the reason his heart's not in it, I think, is because look, he's running a wrestling school in Florida now with fucking Sean Spears. I, that's part of why he's at, at, down at NXT. Yep, he's is because a, it's closer to his school. Yep, he's running flatbacks, and uh, a lot of people are helping with that. But uh, also means he's probably never going to get that push. Because he probably knew that already. So why not start school? Why not do something with your life that involves, like, just giving up on the dream? But the sad thing, and I guess that is the saddest thing about all this, is that Homie's still a really fucking good hand. And, like, this match with Devlin was very good. Like... Just I, and I just want to like especially shout out like that ending ending sequence here where it's like mm-hmm. Devlin just hits him with uh with a headbutt that Bree sells like fucking death like he just like crumbles over standing up and Jordan Devlin just kind of like still holding on to his arm just like rip cords him into that fucking like cyto suplex or whatever it is that his finisher is mm-hmm. like and that suplex has never looked better than that. Again, Tyler Breeze is one of the best workers in the ring. And the fact that they can't use him in a way that makes him main event material makes me very sad. Yeah, like, like yeah. he was one of the most believable main eventers they had for a, a very long time. Everyone yep. loved him. Everyone wanted to see him get that belt. And we were so disappointed that he didn't. Yep, indeed. And now it's just like, there's not a single scenario in which I could ever believe that he would get a belt. Not the North American Championship, even. Nope, he's not going to get anything at this point. How did you not do, like, a like a proper Breeze Dream feud? I think they're just two different I mean, times. that's the thing is, and I also feel like, you know, they did Breeze Dream. And that match wasn't great. I I, I'm now remembering that they did that match. Yeah, it was a one-off, and yeah. it was kind of mediocre. Yeah, like it was. It wasn't bad, but it was. 
you know, it was definitely it was the worst match on that show, and I think it was probably like of of Dream's run as North American champion, and like even of his NXT matches, I think it was probably his worst match. And like, well, okay, maybe the EC3 match where EC3 got a concussion was worse. Yeah, but I think to that point, both Breeze and Dream benefit from a matchup in which they are always the weird one. They're always the unusual one because that way it's going, you're stepping into their world where you have supermodel kicks and beauty shots and having to deal with a fashion icon who can still somehow out wrestle you. Same with dream is weird ways that it's kind of almost a little bit old school. But also, yeah. like, he doesn't even feel like that character anymore. And, like, the way that he, mm-hmm. like, yeah. they even sell him doesn't feel like that character anymore. He's just, Tyler Breeze just feels more like a wrestler now. Like, listening to them talk about how Tyler Breeze is trained by Lance Storm, it's like, cool, yeah, I get it. You're selling the fact that he has, like, legitimate wrestling bona fides, but he's still supposed to be the weird, goofy wrestling male model who, right. like, throws temper tantrums and does crazy shit. Yeah, like, he wasn't trained by Lance Storm. Tyler was tra- Breeze anymore. He was trained in Himalayas on the runway by bears. That's what you say about him. That kind of stuff. Jesus, but that people. would be character development. Yeah, amazing, amazing thought. I mean, I guess at least he still has his seasonal residences. Yeah, at least. But in the hair doesn't match the residences anymore. The look doesn't match him anymore. It's all just. It's lost. Yep. And it's just, and it just feels especially so now that he doesn't have fucking Dango to play off and just do their weird, like, a different profession of male stripper every week. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah, that's it for NXT. Go figure. Some very good moments and some things that just kind of make me sad. Yep. Do you think? Do but you that's think just NXT WWE now. got cold feet because they didn't want to touch the LGBTQ implications. No. No. Like, I think I, they just don't care about Tyler Breeze. I, I think you would have had that driven down your throat at one point and then backed away from very quickly. Were that the case? Mm. And I don't think they gave him either. They just kind of didn't mention it, even less so than like with Dream. Where Dreams had to come out and say, look, no, I'm just trying to be like Prince, y'all. Bullet Club. So. AW was good this week. AW was very good this week. AW also happened. And it was was very weird at times. Like, this was an unusual episode and the way it was stacked. And there's something that made me very angry within it that we'll get to. But uh, before Trust then, me, Trace, we were all raged. No, I literally this is angry. Have been, you know, it's angry when I tweet at a corporate account and yell at them over something that I'm angry. It's true. This and, is true. This happened. Um, I can confirm this. Before then, uh, Oscar did write a note down here, and it's important to point this out too. Double or Nothing Two got officially announced basically today. Um, it's happening in May. So they're still kind of doing that quarterly schedule. It's working out in their favor. And tickets go on sale on Valentine's Day. So 
Cool. Vegas still on. M. Jim Grand. We'll see how and that goes. And this is kind of a problem I'm I'm starting to have with AEW, where I'm kind of worried that I hope their pay per views aren't always going to be in Vegas and Chicago. It sounds like going forward after Revolution, it's just going to be Vegas for Double or Nothing and Chicago for All Out, and then anything else is wild card. But they only and have that makes four pay per views because, a year. like, yep, true. But they yeah, but can. also hear me out here. Like the fucking Vegas, Vegas is like a big destination show. You're having it on Memorial Day. You're gonna get a lot of people to travel for it. Like if you're gonna do like a big destination thing, that's a great place to have it. And then Chicago, they just have the tradition. Yeah, like Chicago True. is basically AEW home territory. So, I guess it comes down to like I wouldn't like WrestleMania to be at Madison Square Garden every year. Yeah, that's fair. But I think. I think they got to get bigger than where they are by a long shot for yeah. them to like. If they're drawing, you know, ten thousand, twenty thousand people, you can't really just take that touring wherever and go for the big arenas yet. You gotta, you gotta wait a bit till you get that growth. Yeah, I, I think that we need to look at this again. We need to keep looking at this as a fucking startup. Like, yeah, they're they're profitable in their second year, which is really fucking impressive. Yeah. But like. They're still a very small company, try, like trying to make it big. They have like outsized influence for what they are. Don't get me wrong, but like they're still a company on the come up and trying to make like smart business decisions to like you know do this. And I think that yeah. while they're doing that, like having their shows, you know, having their special event shows, like be an event and be something that you want to go out for, is like it, it's smart. And like you know, again, then like they can figure out doing different things for like the November show and the February show. Yep. Fair enough. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know it's ideal, but remember they're going to have other stuff going on throughout the year that aren't, like, the main shows, the big shows. They're probably still going to have a whatever they're going to call Fighter Fest or CEO XAEW this year. Probably still going to fight for the Fallen at some point, where it's not, like, swelteringly hot in Florida this time. Um, and stuff like that. So, you know, it. and granted, those are both, again, set locations, but still... No, but I mean those. Like you know, I feel like you could do that smart and like mess mess around with the formula and just like you know have that and have them be like again. Why not have like the CEO thing be a a dynamite episode? Why not have fight for the fall and be a dynamite episode? Do it like sure. Bash at the Beach. Sure, make they it could feel absolutely special. Do that. Make it feel different. It's could, it's still just an episode of dynamite, but you're at least making it feel like something else. They could totally do that and get away with it, um, especially like. Most fighting tournaments start on Thursday and run to Sunday, so why couldn't they just have it be, like, a very early pre-show to CEO? Yeah, AEW's the opener. Yeah. And that prevents us from having to ever see Jabali on TV, other than, like, in the crowd. I like the Jabali Put Jabali on Dark, you cowards. (laughs) No, that'd be okay with. Jabali, Nakazawa 3, the run back, run back. I I enjoyed that Jabali Nakazawa match. I'm not going to front. Yeah. What I. Yeah, we all did. Speaking of runbacks, <laughs> let's get into this week's episode. And the runback category for this episode is eyeballs. Specifically, John Moxie beats Ortiz as expected. And then in the fracas afterwards with the inner circle going after Moxley trying to interfere, Santana has been spiked in the eye by a Ford GT key. 
So good. It's a really good moment. I love the fact that Tony Khan that Tony Khan got permission to do the spike in the eye from TNT because TNT fired Dusty Rhodes for that in the the fucking 80s. (laughs) They've done it now twice, no less. It's pretty goddamn good. Also, apparently the reaction from TNT was like, we did? (laughs) Yeah, oh, we we actually had a problem with that? Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, no no big deal. Like, you know, as long as you don't slit throats or wrists or anything like that, we're totally fine. And now you can say shit once an episode. Unless you're on unless TSN. You're Chuck Taylor. Well, sorry about TSN. I mean, they, they again, in fairness, they did apologize during the episode for having to mute the crowd. You know the best part about that is, though? The apology was muted because they were muting the crowd. I think the announcers are pretty aware of that, but they apologize anyways. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Moxie had a really solid match with Ortiz, and then, yeah, of course, now it's he's going to basically be running a gauntlet through all the inner circle, as he has kind of been already. And next week, he's going to face Santana in what they're calling an eye-for-an-eye eye match, because they both got one eye now. That's good. So, the big boss battle is looming. Loser loses the other eye. I mean, you never know, right? Next week, we'll discover which one is truly punished Venom Snake. I'm, I'm so excited to hear which one it is. Just TNT, do it. Do it. Um, so, there was that. A good match. Then, decent match between best friends in SCU. Like, fun match to watch. The big thing about it was Dark Order running in after the match. Another good thing that I've really always enjoyed by AEW is that interference also doesn't Also the one lead... moment that you missed. What? Oh, Where yeah. The... They were all dead on the outside, and then Orange Cassidy yeah. decided to just lie down lounging next to them, and that was yeah. great. That was a very good moment. Orange Cassidy is a precious, precious man. He really um, is. Protect him at all costs. Yes. And, like, I appreciate just as an aside that AEW has very rarely had run-ins be anything more than just, like, distractions the ref doesn't see or run in and actually interfere after the match is concluded. So you don't get these fuck DQ finishes. And I've appreciated the hell out of that. Um, That said, Dark Order runs out, beats the hell out of Best Friends, beats the hell out of SCU, sadly beats the hell out of our good, good boy, Orange Cassidy, after he turns down... The offer to join the Dark Order by saying, My hands belong in my pockets. And then when Christopher Daniels comes out and gets all ragey and acting like he wants to fight, they do kind of a really badass thing and just everybody just stops and backs away. Walks like, away. Alright, we out. Yep, alright, no, we, we don't want to fight you here. We've proven our point. Later. So he's the he's the leader, right? Like it's gotta be the fallen angel. Shit. It probably is. Aw, oh, son of a bitch! It was me, Scorpio! It was me all along, Scorpio! Like, like they've already been distancing him from SCU. Yeah, it's possible that could be the case. And they've um, already they, I mean, they've made a lot more mention. What they had on... Sorry, you go ahead. I was going to say... I was going to say it would make sense for what they had on uh, being the elite this week, where they found the creeper mask in uh, in his fucking bag. Yep. 
yeah, this would be a proper payoff if that were the case, rather than how they're trying to make it sound like they're trying to kind of shame him into joining or maybe he joined and then tried leaving or something of that nature. Which, incidentally, I think they're intentionally trying to mix up with what Brandon Cutler's going through, which is very much the same. So, yeah, cool moment. Um, Great match. Uh, Nothing more to really add there. Then I need to... I, I really... One thing you should add, though, actually, is we should probably right now talk about the other Dark Order segment. Yeah, let's talk about that. The so there was a, oh my god, it was a really well timed going to break ad that popped up, and I, you could have fooled me. And I thought it was real. It, at, I thought it was real at first until I realized that like they it took them a second to cut cut the AEW logo out of the ad. So it was like, oh no, wait, this is still part of the show. Yeah, I thought like they're, they're facing out. It's like, wait a minute, they didn't pan that away quickly enough so this is probably a show thing but it looks a lot like a drug ad and if they hadn't done that i would have been even more fooled it was because... real enough that i went to use the washroom during it <laughs> yep and then you started looking at the small print and it started mentioning like you know hail the dark order you know the elite will and be decimated the elite will fall yeah the elite will fall and you know the whatever they're calling their head guy the grand inquisitor or whatever the exalted one the exalted one thank you um, will rise, blah, blah, blah. And, of course, that one guy who's been their spokesperson, and we don't know who he is, really, other than maybe some guy off Fiverr. And I love fake Kyle O'Reilly. He's so good. He is really, really good. It's it's amazing. This whole and, yeah, Dark Order thing Kyle is... Again, like, it's amazing how much they have saved the Dark Order. Yeah, I agree. And it's like, I don't... I'm not convinced entirely still... That they're saved in the ring with the stuff they do in there. This week was pretty good. Like, not great, but everything they've done outside the ring has been spectacular. Like, this is a group that I understand exactly what they want to be, exactly what they are, and it's kind of terrifying. I mean, I don't mind because I think the ring work is definitely there. I mean, mean, they they have good ring skills. Let's not be mistaken about that. Yeah. It's just like, And I mean, as we've kind of infamously established on this show, I'm more of a character work person anyway. I just, for me, it's more like the Creepers are still maybe the weird part of all this that just still doesn't quite jive with me as well as it should. Yeah, I see that. But Yeah, fair. You know, it's, it's again, work in progress. I'm, AEW's done a really good job of just absolutely putting a full stop on things that aren't working, so... I'm kind of confident they'll get that turned around pretty well. Yeah. Here's hoping. And speaking of quick turnarounds that still made me extremely angry. So, Let's Britt Baker. Thing. Britt Baker fought Yuka Sakazaki. And, and we were so excited for this. We, we were, were very so, excited. so excited for this. Because the whole thing about Yuka Sakazaki is she has the best entrance music in all of wrestling that we heard at the and very... And if you listened to last week's episode, mm-hmm. you heard the song because we played it at the very end. Yes. And it played during the first Double or Nothing un- and surprised the hell out of all of us. It was fantastic. It still warms my heart. And then during Fighter Fest, they mo- changed to something generic and everybody was confused and sad because it's like, why Nuka no have good song? We're no, why no I, 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 I? Why Yuka Man no stand? Exactly. 
Why you command no fly? Ay, 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 ay. And God damn it, after being on Twitter this whole time playing that song and telling people this is what you can expect, to hint very heavily that we got her theme music rights now, we're going to play the entrance music. They don't. They play the generic shit. They play shit. the fucking generic one again. Which, may I add, has no I, 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 I can fly in it. Which is, like, the best part because it establishes her character, goddammit. It's not just silly. It's not just hilarious. She is a goofball who can fly and looks awesome. And she's a magical girl. And my daughter, thank you very much. It's my favorite Sugar Ray song. Yes. Also my favorite DDR song. Um, little butterfly. <laughs> I um, love smile, DK. She has a pretty decent match with Britt Baker, which is saying something because Britt Baker is getting better, showing getting better, but increasingly still in parts showing her gaps in her wrestling stuff. Yuka thankfully wins, and as she wins, we get to hear that they actually do have her theme. But for some fucking reason, somebody played the wrong one when she was entering, and we didn't get the I I I like we belong. Like we deserve, rather. It belongs mm-hmm. there, damn it. You know, look, this is just like when I went to take over Toronto 1, and after Samoa Joe won, they played his old weird porn theme. Oh, God, right. I hated that one. Yeah. And that was really strange when they played that for a brief second. It's like, no, wait, this is a, what? Why? No. And then they immediately, and then they cut back to the good one. It was like, okay, at least you knew. All I just got to say is take that other theme you have for you can just drop it in the trash bin and whatever laptop you're using to run this music because fucking hell, dudes. Um, but then we get like take it the- with wherever the fucking new Dustin Rhodes theme came from and put it back there because that place is hell. Yep. Yeah. You have to swap them out. It's like the books from Mist. You have to, you know, drop the old or the. The crappy generic Yuka Sakazaki thing in the book and out of the book will come Brain Stew. Change Yuka Sakazaki's theme to, to Dustin's old theme, but with I I I I just over I I I I I and then I, I, and then a Godzilla sound. I I I I I'm having trouble trying to fly. Dang I I I <laughs> oh god damn it this is fantastic and we should be music designers it's a dumb <laughs> show <laughs> we're the new uh, cfo dollar sign it's us yeah it us um what is not us is um so this is really well gimmicked and it freaked the hell out of me Britt baker after the match basically stomps the hell out of yuka's mouth and against the ropes and does a bunch of sick twisted shit and after all this, Yuka's bleeding from her mouth. She opens her hands and she's holding a tooth. Dental plan. Really Yuka needs braces. I don't know how the fuck they pulled this off. If that's an actual tooth and she just needed a dental implant, this is an excuse to get her to America and have uh, Britt do dental work on her. <laughs> I mean, if that were the case, I it'd be kind of hilarious. I want to believe this was work. Yeah. I want to believe that this was work mm-hmm. because... If it wasn't, I'm going to be even more upset. But regardless, yeah, I understand that this was a work. I fucking hated this. Mm-hmm. This was yeah. the best. I hated every part of this. This was the best woman segment I think AEW has done since. Dynamite. It was. Oh, absolutely. 
it definitely put Britt Baker solely or just firmly in the ultimate heel category. She is now just fuck her for what she did there. Like, like, talk about a quick turnaround. It took literally one week for Britt Baker to be a good heel after the shitty boat promo. Yeah, or two weeks, to be fair, because it was like boat to <laughs> shitty barista on stage to knocking out Yuka's teeth. But, but still, even the, even the second right. promo, even the second promo was already getting better. It was getting better, but this was like, this is where she needs to be right here. Yeah. Doing awful, yeah, like, disgusting shit like this. I appreciate the fact that they're giving her the mandible claw as a finisher. Yeah. It's like, this is, she's finally found her niche, and it is definitely not as a face. That's for damn sure. And just, again, find a way to lean into this properly. Don't let her talk too long the mic to Tony Schiavone, and we'll be good. Also, please don't yeah, just fine. send Yuka Sakazaki back to Japan after this. Let's start getting her some good matches with some other ladies. No, they have to lose her music again first. How dare you, Oscar? I can't even deal with that. I'm going to have to send some more angry tweets toward uh, All Elite Wrestling if that happens. And, by the way, if they do that again, the next one's going straight towards Cody. Dead serious. If they do it again, we're going to release the footage of Tony Khan with the dogs. (laughs) (laughs) If they do it a third time, that's when I'm actually going to mention that to them. And maybe that's how we get blocked by all elite wrestling. <laughs> Look, yeah, and that's I'll how we, it. and that's how heel, and that's how pro wrestling dot cool got a cease and desist. <laughs> Fourth time, I tag him in the wanking dogs thing. Um, yeah, it's uh, we'll we'll see what if they can maybe realize. I don't even know. I just that made me so angry. Just push you, it. She's such a sweet wrestler she's amazing she takes a lot of stuff that other ladies are botching and just makes it look golden so um that eight man tag that was badass awesome. as it turns out when you have eight people in a tag match and you have a 10 count so nobody has to worry about getting in and out really quickly it just turns into like a New Japan high-speed fracas, and I love it. Like, everybody just going in, running, doing their spots, doing random spots. It's amazing. It was wonderful. I have nothing good, th- good things to say about it. it. Just good psychology all the way through, and it ends exactly as it should, with Hangman once again having issues with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks by just demanding he stay in a little longer than he should, and... Refusing eating. to tag the Bucks ever, like yep. that was a great call by by Tony or whoever it was uh, yep. that pointing out like, yeah, wait, watching that match back, like seeing this match again, I don't think he ever tagged the Bucks at any point. He didn't, and he only tagged Kenny. Yep, indeed. Yeah, and sure enough, that bit him in the ass because when Kenny had been removed from the ring by a certain Blade who just kept. Apparently, the Blade's whole mission at the end of this match was just to run around that corner, just removing Bucks and Kenny repeatedly from the apron, just pulling their legs constantly. Again, good strat, but just set this up where just Kenny was not... Just trying to get him not... to listen to his band CD. I, I still think it's the Butcher that's the one that does that stuff, but I don't know. The Butcher um, is not. the one that is in Every Time I Die. Okay, gotcha. 
I think we did say no, blade one blade. week, but it's the butcher. No, I thought, I'm pretty sure it's the blade. Pretty sure it's the butcher. I'm looking this up. Yeah, look it up. You do the fact checking. I will just say that that was a good moment, and seeing the distrust that Hangman has for the Young Bucks that is inevitably going to lead to a match between it's, Hangman it's the butcher. and Kenny versus the Young Bucks is going to be good. This is very much like Cody and Kenny versus the Young Bucks. Or no, I'm sorry. The Young or the Golden Lovers versus the Young Bucks from New Japan. It'll be just like that. Except with less love interest. That said, after that, Kenny did stay by ringside because he was going to get interviewed by Tony Schiavone. Which was kind of weird, but... Obviously, they cut that off before anybody could think about that by, oh, hey, Pac's backstage. And he wants that rubber match, Kenny. He wants the rubber match, Kenny. And he's threatening Riho this time, which is kind of awesome. You saw what they announced what the rubber match is going to be? I did, and they announced at the end. So naturally, before Pac actually gets his hands on Riho... Kenny immediately says, yeah, you'll get your match. I'm not dodging you. Just take the match, which now has been confirmed to be a 30-minute Iron Man match. That's awesome. Yeah. And, yeah, so then Pac says, I would never lay my hands on Rito. That's going to be great. I'm, a, I'm not a bastard. You need a beast for that. And then walks no, he's, in. Yeah. Go on. No, I was just going to say that he said, I'm not a ba- I'm not a beast. Yeah, I'm not a beast. But she is. But she is, and then walks away. And then Nyla Rose, in probably her best promo spot in all of AEW, charges from behind, you know, nails Riho, tries to power bomb her through the table. I am the table, but nobody gives a shit because she immediately turns to the camera and says, you've been marked. And I'm... Oh, I, forget. I did think about this, how this was an I am the table, but also I guess I'm not surprised considering that Riho weighs like five pounds. Yeah, exactly. And the table did break a little bit, but it doesn't matter. Um, but Nalo says exactly what she needs to there. Your ass is mine in a week. Hand on the camera. Palms the camera. Yeah, exactly. Nyla Rose. Beautiful. Her promos are great when she's just in heat of the moment. I love it. Then she's real good at it. Mm-hmm. We did she's have. She's got to step up some of the other shit. Don't get me wrong, but like, oh yeah, no, she's got that character. Yeah, when it comes to just being absolutely nasty in outside the ring promos, she's still great. Just getting needs to work on ring work a little bit. Just make it a little more vicious and feisty. I think she'll get there. Um, we had Kip Sabian and Joey Janela. There's not really much to add there. That's it was fine. It was fine. It was a good match, but. I totally I mean, spaced out during this match. I mean, they're, they're, Me they're pushing Kip Sabian right now, so of course he's going to kind of get over Also, there. yeah, you're both right. It is the Butcher. Yep. I, I looked that up because, yeah, the Blade, I'm pretty sure I knew who he was, and he was not that. Let's get to what this whole episode was supposed to be about, and of course he left it to the end because of it. This episode was 20 fucking minutes of watching a man slowly pace around a ring and get beaten with a belt. And I was gripped 
for every single one of those minutes. Exactly. Only Cody can make 10 lashes with a belt last 20 minutes and yet sell the hell out of it. Like again, just for the context of of everybody out there, for how I how I enjoy wrestling on Wednesdays, I have NXT on my fifty five inch television and AEW on my iPad as like just sitting on my couch because you know I'm mostly covering NXT because it's the the one the, I'm the only one that can really watch that. Yo, I spent that entire twenty minutes just glued to my iPad, right? Because television on mute didn't give a single fuck. Like, there were several reasons why this was super smart for Cody to, like, draw this out. Number one, gave every minute, gave a chance for somebody to come out there, talk to him, show who was on his side, who was against him. The heels came out to watch and enjoy from a distance. The faces that were close to him came out to talk, pep talk him and, you know, pull him up. You know, Arn Anderson came out and said, you know, the more you act like this hurts you, the more you're helping him out. Um, The Bucks just, you know... Made sure he knew how many were left. You know, you, you can do this. Don't give up. You know, the very last slash, Brandy, completely normal, but kind of emotionally detached, comes closer. And in probably one of the best moments um, that AEW Dynamite's had in terms of, like, emotion, just, you know, near tears for both of them, just kisses hands and, you know, basically says, I love you. You are so brave. Basically, just finish it. You have to finish this. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. I love you. Yeah. Just like that one brief little moment is, yeah, it's like one of the most like actually really emotional moments that I've really felt watching wrestling probably (laughs) since the last time Cody did it. Yeah. Cody is a master of this kind of storytelling and I am just fucking amazed. Also taking that long. Left a lot of time for all the bruising to start swelling up on the back there and showing off exactly where he's getting hit and shit. And just all the ways that that MJF just fucking was laying into him verbally, just abusing him, being an absolute fucking monster, screaming at him to quit. Just like, Mm -hmm. God, it it was so hard to watch in the absolute best way. I sincerely did not expect MJF to just give him only 10 lashes and then just basically leave, which in fairness, that wasn't exactly what happened. He did get kicked in the balls before MJF darted away, but it was exactly 10 lashes. Also the fucking Wardlow bit. Yeah. And then the second to last lash being Wardlow. And that sold me on that did more to put over Wardlow as being, Mm -hmm. A fucking badass. Or not badass, but like yep. strong. Yep. Fearsome. Yeah, it it Wardlow, that really just already hypes up their cage match in two weeks. It's gonna be amazing. How is Cody so damn good at this? Like every bit of this was just too compelling. Uh, and he does it taking literal scars. Or in this case bruises. And just all of those welts. And yeah, like exactly like you said, just right after that Wardlow one and just seeing like his skin just like purple and like cut open. Just, oh, my mm-hmm. God. Yep. Yeah, this like think about this just even in the context of like 
They just literally WWE just did a fucking strap match between Daniel Bryan and The Fiend where, like, yep. Bryan got the shit whipped out of him. And, yeah, his back looked kind of messed up at the end and everything. Like, it was a pretty decent time. None of those – nothing in that strap match had any of the impact of any one fucking hit of MJF with Cody's belt on Cody's back. Like mm-hmm. – just the raw emotion that they were able to wring out of all this is just incredible to me. Yeah. It really I is. I mean, I think it's I think it's a testament as well to the less is more thing. Because mm-hmm. yeah, sure. during that Daniel Bryan Fiend match, you had whips all the time. And there was a sense as well of like, well, the other person can fight back. You knew here that Cody was helpless. Yeah, Cody could not fight back. If he even touched MJF, this match was off, so he had to withstand everything. And, of course, MJF just fucking leaned into that at every turn, just Mm -hmm. trying to goad Cody into taking a shot. Yep. Just begging him, basically, to do Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. MJF is legit one of the top heels in the industry right now for this kind of stuff. He just... Such a great job. I really, this is not how I expected this whole segment to go. It was far more dramatic than I expected. And honestly, it's so much better for it. It was a weird send-off to Dynamite, but I think this is going to be one of the moments of the year. Yeah. I, yeah, if this is not one of the moments of the year, something is insanely fucked up. Mm-hmm. Is this a moment or, or was just is, that is this good? a moment or best promo? This is a moment, I would say. This is There's no promo about this. This is just an exhibition of one man's flesh being melted by a belt, basically. I just need to know where to put it on the list. We'll find a place This was the last temptation of Christ. Mm-hmm. Basically. Or was it the passion? Uh, I Probably passion. I don't know. I don't know religious stuff. Yeah, probably the passion, actually. But yeah, that's... Cody's way cooler than Jim Caviezel, though. He is, and... MJF's way cooler than Mel Gibson. Also true. Everyone's cooler than Mel Gibson. Uh, yeah. I I have nothing to add to this without, you know, putting myself in grave danger of being Mel Gibson. <laughs> it's okay, you'll survive it if you're anything like Mel Gibson. Ten lashes. Bring it on, Mel. You'll 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 be making movies with John Cena in no time. Ah, Rapido, I love it. Anyways, that's all I got for AEW Dynamite. A fantastic show, especially at the end. That Again, I think they're going to have a lot of scenes from that whole lashing thing that are going to re- reverberate throughout the rest of this year. Resonate and reverberate. God willing. Mm-hmm. And for sure. Yeah, like, I could not be more hyped for that steel cage match now. I really hope the steel cage they have ready for that ring looks amazing. Like, yeah. let's get some old school steel in here, motherfuckers. Let's make it happen. Yep. Let's also make not doing this show happen. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm withholding the Tai Chi timer as much as I can by, you know, trying to queue up some Madden videos before it sets off. So, you know. Uh, we've only gone like an hour and a half. We're doing okay We're doing with fine. that. But you know what? Hey, we did good considering that we talked about the XFL for 15 minutes. God damn, we did. And I can't do an impression worth a shit anymore. 
other than maybe Vince McMahon, but I wasn't about to do Vince McMahon at XFL. Maybe next week when I run through the first week's games and summarize them. Ah, I can't believe those Seattle well, Dragons are nothing. That's going to be all well and good, Oscar, but there's something that we're going to do for Friday. It seems like we're going to continue this new tradition that we have of Friday shitpost podcasts on ProWrestling.cool. We sure are. Oscar, what are we doing? So, uh, WWE's financial statements come out tomorrow. And, uh... Yeah, it's their big investor call. In addition to being experts on New Japan, we are also experts on business. Financial John, that's what they call me. Listen. It's me, Oscar, but the S is spelt with a dollar sign. I just want you all to know that as an accountant, as one who actually works a job as an accountant, if you mess this up egregiously, I will be angry at you over this podcast, and it will be for anything you've said so far about New Japan. Wow, I can't believe that the numbers prove that Chris Jericho is a better wrestler than Will Ospreay. You son of a bitch, I am getting my knife. It turns out that the correlation of the drop-in house show business it directly it goes to the amount of bubbly that he's selling. I am putting this knife inside a flamethrower. I'm coming to your houses. There's no escape. The, oh, you're Darby Allen. The real hidden blade was the WWE stocks. The secret is that everybody okay, in Seattle I'm, has I'm a flamethrower. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. There's, there's one thing that we actually do need to talk about from Dynamite that we didn't talk about. Can sure. we fucking talk about Darby Allen using a fucking flamethrower to destroy the fucking Jericho <laughs> Sammy Guevara standee? Number one, I'm sad that Sammy gave it up for that purpose. Number two, I'm glad that Darby Allen sold the throat injury he got, so now he can't talk during promos. And number three, that was a fucking good flamethrower, and everybody in Seattle should own one like that. Yes. Maybe maybe bought it from the boring company. I could see Darby Allen being weird and problematic like that of being way into Elon Musk. Again, I weird. Think he's the guy that. the guy that named himself oh, after Darby Crash and Gigi Allen is weird and problematic. So on that note, yeah, Oscar, we're going to fucking talk about the financials, I guess? Yeah. We're going to talk about how Vince McMahon has ruined his company? How much more do you think I hope this... he ruins it more so I don't have to... I can actually, you know, not do the Monday show anymore since it seems like Owen just won't fucking stop watching Raw and SmackDown. You got five years before it goes into any sort of danger, so I'm sorry, mates. Look, look, John... As the stock falls, we will purchase WWE and make the sh- and make it so that Owen can't cover Raw anymore. Oh my god, do I have to explain the voting stock to you? Oh my god. Raw, Raw is replaced by a three-hour live heel turn every week. <sighs> and we only have to wait 90 days. 90 days. So yeah, that's going to happen on Friday, I guess. 
we'll, I'll put that up. Maybe I'll put the, I'll do the tr- the tradition of putting it up at two in the morning. Well, yeah, two in the morning is the most financial of all the times. <laughs> I mean, they got to get it. Says so in the Financial Times. They, they got to. <laughs> They gotta get it to the SEC by a deadline, yo. It's publicly traded. That's why you don't work for a publicly traded company when you're an accountant because it fucking sucks like that. You have to push the button and then it's in their hands and if you fuck up, it's a fine on your hands. Oh, I, I fucking don't But anyway, that. that's the Friday shit post. Of course, what's, the not, Monday shit what's post. not fine are these numbers. Am I right? The Monday shit post will be me continuing to watch Raw for reasons that I don't understand. Check it out on the mothership, Daddy. Heel turn. You could probably just actually find someone else that will do it with him. I what mean, if you just pretend to watch it and just nod along with him? I mean, did you listen to like the month of heel turn before Scott Snyder's Americana Spectacular too? No, but... Um, That's what I did. I mean, I'm just saying, for your own sanity, you could probably watch something better at that time. If you and just, just go you know, on Reddit, someone posts a summary of what happened on Raw, like, immediately after it ends. And then, for next Wednesday's show, I don't know, I might go to an XFL game this weekend. Cool. I might go to that Guardians game, I haven't decided... But I might. You should do I'm, it. Go for it. I mean, my my office tried going, getting tickets for a group discount to a Seattle Sea Dragons game. And I'm going to call them that. Don't worry. I know it's not the right name. And we needed 20 people to get the discount. We did not get what? anywhere near 20 people. Oh, man. I'll go so, with uh, you if you buy me a plane ticket to Seattle. Yeah, sorry. I'm not that, uh, I'm not that into XFL. I appreciate what you said there, Oscar, and I would definitely accept that, but I'd be more likely just to buy a ticket myself, buy a beer, stare at the game for five minutes, and walk out and say, yep, that was the thing. So yeah, if I go, I'll have impressions, and if I don't, then I won't. Maybe I'll just go to 3-2 and battle and pretend that was the XFL game. That's pretty cool. That's a good thing to yeah, do. Yeah, you know, Aubrey Edwards was there refing the game. It was uh, pretty awesome. Um, Where's my yeah. wide-open... Smash Mouth Darby. Darby. Uh, What's Bill Hebner doing in the XFL zone? <laughs> <laughs> She's dressed up as a condiment doing a dance number. What? <laughs> that, yeah. It's weird. I didn't realize that Danny Makabe was on um, the Sea Dragons. That's cool. And I didn't realize Liza Hall was on the DC United. DC, DC Defenders. I don't give a shit. <laughs> DC United is their football team. Soccer. Oh, right, their football. Okay. Oh, oh. Okay, gotcha. Now we're just talking about real sports. The show needs to end. <laughs> Please end it. For the love of God, let's get some end stuff here. Trace, plug your stuff. Okay, cool. Hi there, I'm Trace. You can find me at PSEG on Twitter. I cannot solve your energy problems. I don't even care if you're a New York Guardians fan or a... Whatever, I don't give a flying shit. Also, you can catch me on twitch.tv slash peaceegg, P-E-A-C-E-G-G. I occasionally, you know, stream stuff. Thursdays, Fortnite, Fridays, Forza. Monday and Tuesday, sometimes speedrunning. Depends if I get home from work at a reasonable time. That's all I got. 
Oscar. You can find me on Twitter at Osaka the Great, Instagram at Osaka the Great, twitch.tv slash Osaka the Great. If you look up Osaka the Great on any social media site, you'll probably find me. Also, PayPal me at eng.1966 at yahoo.ca. That's my real email address. Pay the man. Shirts now available on Streamlabs. Pay the man. Pay the man. Also, pay the man shirts are indeed available. $29. No proceeds go to Oscar. Shit. And I've been your host, John Gavritsky Maxwell. You can find me a whole myriad of places on the internet, including Twitter at IamJohnGM, Instagram at IamJohnGM, Twitch at Video underscore Shames, Byte at Video Shames. I still haven't done anything with that. I need to figure out how, how that works. Uh, I don't know. Someone want to set me up to do the thing? John, what's your Hey, Venmo? John. Yeah, just give us your goddamn Venmo already. Jesus Christ, dude. Venmo at I am John. Pay the man. I don't know why I, I have a weird thing about like, oh, I'm not going to bring up the Venmo as if I'm as if the Venmo is not going to get brought up. Because to be fair, the three of the three of us are shit posters that Owen are not. It, it's true. But it's hey. True. You can also, like, give us money officially over at Patreon.cool and get exclusive stuff, like uh, show notes for this and all our other shows, exclusive podcasts like uh, us reviewing pay-per-views, or the pilot episode for Chrisley Cast Countdown to Prison, and other cool things. And, of course, you can find us each and every day at ProWrestling.cool. It's not just cool. Stock cool. Pay the man. Wait, shit. This has been episode 16 of Heel Alternative. Pro Wrestling.cool's Posse podcast covering uh, AEW, NXT, and the wide world of professional wrestling outside Vince's purview. We'll see you next week. Until then. What you hearing? Listen. Y'all come back now, you hear? X go give it to you. Fuck wait for you to get it on your own. X go deliver to you. Knock, knock. Open up the door to spread. With the non-stop pop out and stainless steel. Don't go hard getting busy with it. But I got such a good heart that I make the motherfucker wonder if you did it. Damn right, and I do it again. Yeah, I am like so I got to win. Break bread with the enemy. No matter how many cats I break bread. This podcast was brought to you by the Zonecast Network, executive produced by Owen Douglas. Visit zonecast.com for more shows. 